Welcome to Same Old City, an independent York City fans podcast. My name is Simon Kraft. And my name's Ben Aspinall. And you're joining us for a bit of a special one today. It's our first interview. It's part of our retro series and it's following on from our deep dive into the 3-0 win at Old Trafford from 1995. We've excitingly been able to speak to one of the players involved on the day. Ben, do you want to give a bit of context about how this came about? Absolutely. So, yeah, I managed to um, use my Manchester connection. The pub that I worked used to work in, in central Manchester, was frequented by um, a Scottish striker who played for Manchester United. That's right, it's Brian McClare. He uh, used to drink in there now and again. Very, very lovely chap. Happy to talk about football of very, very different teams, etc. Pleasure to get get uh, to serve him, to get chatting with. In particular, I remember watching the opening game of the 2018 World Cup with him. Not knowing it's not knowing it was Brian McClare because you know he's got a big, big grey beard now. Yeah, uh, it was very interesting to hear his mates say to uh, to me, "You do know that fella has scored an international tournament," and me thinking he was uh, taking the Michael. Then we got to got to know him, got to serve him plenty of times. He even was nice to my uh, Man City supporting wife. That, that's the best thing you can say about uh, a full-blooded Manchester United ex-player, can't you? So uh, my good friend uh, and landlord of said pub, Chris Taylor, offered to uh, put us in touch with one another now to, to do this interview. Uh, it took a little bit of uh, a pinning Brian down because I think he's uh, rela- enjoying some holiday time at the moment. But he did take time out to uh, to join a, a phone call with Simon and myself. And we um, got to talk about possibly the most famous away result in York City's history. Yeah, and um, I think as you'll find out listening now, it was a fantastic interviewee, especially with us two being novices at interviews, but he um, yeah, really gave us some excellent content and great insight to sort of the uh, Manchester United side of things from that mm-hmm. famous night. Have had to bleep out a couple of things where he was quoting Fergie, but that's uh, to be expected. Um, <laughs> it was a pleasure to um, yeah to speak to him. We'll just point out the audio quality isn't necessarily up to our ordinary standards, uh, which is just because we were sort of recording this one a bit on the fly. Brian himself was, as Ben mentioned, he was uh, having a break on the Isle of Arran, I believe. Although weirdly, his audio sounds fine. It's me who sounds like I'm stuck down the bottom (laughs) of a well. So yeah, apologies for that. But hopefully you'll enjoy it nonetheless. So here is Same Old City's first ever interview with Brian McClare. Alistair knocking it in to McClare, the little touch for Giggs, he's away again, little ball in play there for McClare again, a goal for Manchester United, Brian McClare. First things we would like to talk about, Brian, if it's okay, we just want to kind of look at the context uh, before the fixture, because uh, summer of 95 was obviously a big, big change at United, with um, some high-profile players leaving the club, and, you know, the, the, uh, the manager, Sir Alex, did kind of Put a lot of a uh, lot of not so much pressure, but you know, a lot, lot of a bit of a burden on these young lads who are coming through. That what would become known as the class of '92. As somebody who had been there for a while, did you remember how you felt in the summer '95 with these comings and goings? Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're. I suppose it's a, it's a surprise even as a player, you know, because right up until the last moment, you're not quite sure what's happening, you know, because. Uh, well, we we all Kanchelskis was already sorted. They they'd fallen out with Kanchelskis uh, quite a while previously, you know. And Andrew had made it quite clear that uh, he was keen to move on for. for uh, but they certainly, and I knew that there was interest in from Inter for um, all Inter. He'd, he'd asked me about that, what, what my thoughts were, 
And I give my view, said, look, it's up to you, man. You're in charge of your own destiny. You can stick with it here or or uh, head out to Lake Como. <laughs> Paul Parker, again, is only because he delayed, really, you know, he delayed in signing a contract. And uh, eventually the contract, well, just didn't transpire. Sparky was a surprise. I wasn't expecting that at all. Mark Hughes, you know, that was like, that's just one that just came out of nowhere, really, you know. And so you're always concerned about that. But I mean, I'd played with these players in the reserves and trained with them. So I, I knew, I knew what they were like. Uh, they were never, not got clearly the, the, uh, how they would end up. But I knew, I knew they were like, what they were like, you know. So, and then I had a view of all of them in different ways, you know. And there were certainly the, the ones who became most famous weren't necessarily the ones that were at the forefront. If you take out probably Button Skulls, there was other ones that had been involved that could have been for various other reasons. Uh, a lot got a lot more time and play than they actually did, you know. Uh, so I had quite, quite good confidence in them, you know. But with regards to the game you're talking about in question, really, I um, I feel particularly culpable about it because it was uh, it was the first game after the I was I was very very rarely injured in the 18 years I was a professional football player. But, but that was after one of those periods. As I say, looking back at it, I feel very responsible for the, well, I suppose much to your delight, but uh, chagrin with regards to the, the overall result and the two legs. But because I remember Fergie saying to me, uh, and I'd only trained for a few days, saying, uh, how are you? And I, I vividly remember saying, I'm okay to be on the bench. And he said, well, if you're okay to be on the bench, you're okay to f- play. <laughs> Uh, and but clearly I wasn't. I was shocking. So as I say, I feel I was I was terrible. You know, I had a really really poor game. So I think that this, you know we were would certainly a half a man, if not nearly a whole man down. Um, even before with I think it was Pat McGivin got sent off. I know you guys sent off later on, but but by then the the uh, the game was beyond um, repair. You know, in terms of the League Cup, sort of at the time, obviously it's. It's not really held in that high regard anymore, but I know United have been in three of the last five finals at the time, so is it still something you were taking quite seriously then? Yeah, we always did. I mean, it's a manager's decision to, to change things around. Is, is all, they do, all they do, it's all the managers now are doing that in all sorts of leagues with the, the league, well, maybe the, yeah, the league prioritised, followed by in the, with the top clubs. European football, um, but I think when you when you look at the teams that play in the final, they're, they're very much uh, almost as strong a team as you can pick, you know. So I think certainly earlier on, and, and it's not easy to win the league cup, but uh, it's got easier in the sense of when the the top teams, or sorry, the teams that are in Europe, come into the competition, and probably the fact that it's just a one-off game now, you know, it's uh, it it's makes it a little bit more difficult for. For other teams, but and I say it always surprises me with with particular Premier League teams that don't try and win the competition. You know, but it's always in courses also down to the draw. If you look at it, Manchester United's success and both the 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 League Cup and the FA Cup last year, I think all their ties were at home, apart from obviously the semi final and final. But I think that does give you a very distinct advantage. You know, so. But when it comes to the, say the semi-finals and finals, the the teams that have been successful recently are 
don't play their strongest team. And indeed, the players want to play as well. You know, particularly if you're a Manchester United player and you haven't won, oh, really, you know. You know, you want to win things. That's what football's about, you know. You know, there's a spectacle as you was in the third division, second division, the first division, the championship, whatever it's called now, the Premier League in Europe, and then the Cups, and also the other Cups now that have been brought in since uh, for the or any teams right through the, all the tiers of football, you, you want to win. You know, you want to win. At the end of it, you want to be able to sit in the pub and uh, pull out your, your medal that's dangling around your neck. Well, fortunately, you kind of do that with a lot of the trophies. Now, some some people have decided for whatever reason that it's better to have a bigger bigger medal as possible, you know. But they don't seem to understand that what players actually would want, you know, that, you know, that some that may be able to to wear as a, a piece of jewellery uh, that reminds me of, reminds them of, of a good day. But uh, just looking at this uh, this particular uh, draw, uh, Brian, I mean, I'm clearly, you know, I, I doubt you'll <laughs> remember where precisely where you were the moment you were drawn against the Oxford City in 1995 League Cup second round. But I do want to ask, in terms of when United were facing the, the smaller sides, the, the sides that were lower down the pecking order in, in the pyramid, how did... You as a as a team, and how did Sir Alex like kind of approach these kind of fixtures? Is uh... the, the exact same way that he did with any other fixture. You know, the, the, his whole, his view was that you you should win the game every time that he was picking a team. His view was that that team should be strong enough to win the game. Now, cup games, history throw up all sorts of um, results, and just say that one made that particular. And that, those particular games worked out fantastically well for for Yorkshire City, but you know, and you and you buy into the manager's belief that he's the kind of team that he believes you know should win the game, and indeed, in, in the very other occasions, uh, had the circumstances been slightly different, you know, maybe if I hadn't played or started the game, the result might have been completely different, you know. And if a few of the opportunities that presented themselves in the away leg. You know, it might have been different over the over the two legs, but York, York went through and wonderful to them. But because even you go back to when you're, I think the first League Cup tie I played when I came down to Manchester United in 1987 was at Halifax. I think it was the first one, but I certainly remember two particular games. I remember Halifax away and we were one nil down with minutes to go, and when we scored two late goals, you know, and, that, and this is playing with a with a the team that, that Alex Ferguson would have picked in any league game. And I remember uh, being 1-0 down to Bury at home as well, you know, and they scored, I think they scored two late goals in that game as well to to go through. So certainly there, were, there was plenty of near misses that I was playing, you know. And in terms of the match at Old Trafford in particular, we watched the highlights back. It seemed like quite an even first half and uh, you had a decent header tipped over by Dean Kiley. We had a couple of chances and then... First goal goes in. It's Paul Barnes who has a shot, and it's fumbled in by Kevin Pilkington. So, well, we, we he, he caused problems all night. Paul, he took over the play in the second leg as well, didn't I? Yeah, he, he, he caused this problem. So he was, he was clearly a, one of those events for him that he, that, that, that was his time for playing the, one of the best games he's played in his career. You know, um, yeah, that, that sometimes it did. Uh, it's unfortunate for the goalkeeper, you know. When you, you know, it's not so, it's more. It's easier for the outfield players to to be able to to gel, but sometimes the goalkeeper can be left very much exposed, you know. And a mistake can be glaring. Yeah, and it's sort of when that happens, and when you go one 0 down, obviously you said it happened a few times previously. 
as sort of one of the more experienced players on the pitch, do you feel like it was your responsibility to, you know, try and but keep you everyone's always chin out? Yeah, you always feel that no, there's never any there's never any criticism with regards to uh, anybody making an error. Because we all made mistakes, you know. I mean my mistake was I shouldn't have played, I shouldn't have declared that I could play, you know. So yeah, I felt I felt very responsible, particularly in the at the end of the game. But yeah, you're, you're, that's part of it. You're there to, as a senior player, the expectation is that you're there to support and encourage the players not to give them a tough time, you know? You know, the manager was the one that would be to decide what kind of criticism he was going to meet out either at halftime or after the game or subsequently, you know, including 20-odd years later, as he sometimes <laughs> did when I was coaching, you know? So. <laughs> well, that, that does lead me nicely onto my next question, Brian, if that's okay. So it's, it is 1-0 at halftime. Um so we do have to ask, do you, do you recall if there was any of that um, world-famous hairdryer treatment? From there, all, there always was. There's no, there's no games that I recall that, that, that you didn't, you know. So, And probably in those particular games, uh, it may well have been the, the senior players apart from Canter who bore the brunt of that, you know. Brunt of that, sorry, cause, because the expectations were that you were there to, to show a good example. Yeah, yeah, you knew that the players, the younger players, because he'd picked them and uh, they'd been part of his youth programme for a number of years, that they would be good enough to, to play in the Manchester United in a game such as that League Cup tie. So there, I can't really say remember specifics. Oh, yeah, there would have been, it would have been, as usual, incandescent in those days. <laughs> um, and not long after half time, that's when Pat McGiven gets sent off. Yeah. Um, the penalty, penalty to make it 2 0. I mean, it does look like it was well outside the area, the foul. Well, I mean, you, you know, it's, you know, we're all we're all kind of we're all kind of going over various different goals, and you know that there'll be events had you had um, video assistant referees, then <laughs> all sorts of different things would have transpired. You know, you know, sometimes that's just the way it is in games. You know, there's uh, there is. I believe in particularly cup games, uh, a margin of luck, you know, and the referees and linesmen make decisions based upon what they can see. He decided it was a penalty, so he's just got, he's not going to change his mind, you know, none of them have ever changed their mind. They do now because of <laughs> the assistance they're given from height, from technology, but they wouldn't change their mind then, you know. So, if I could ask, obviously, a very quick question, if that's okay, about, about Pat McGibbon, because this was his only appearance for for Manchester United and he has spoken since very openly and candidly about this fixture and he does accept his responsibility what happened I know he was a young lad at the time and he forged a bit of a career at Wigan didn't he did... well he did, he did have a good career that's what I'm saying is that, but, the, but you, 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 it, history has a great thing of, of making things look a lot brighter if you want to look in a particular way you know I often speak to people who, who are fans of Manchester United and sometimes fans of Manchester United who played football and, you know, I said to them, you know, what would you give to have played for Manchester United for five <laughs> minutes? You know, and one of my friends said he'd, he'd give up everything apart from his, his his child, you know. Just to, you know, he's thought he'd give up his whole career to play for Manchester United in five minutes and being rubbish. You know, so Pat, Pat lasted for 50 minutes and I'm not saying he was rubbish, but he's unfortunately, he does what he's supposed to be trying to do and he, and he received that. He got, he got sent off for it. Now, I've met Pat a few times. He's, I don't think that's had a massive effect on his life. And he had a really good career in football. And he played for Manchester United. So, that, you know, nobody's going to take that away from him. You know, yeah, okay. And it's, and it's a game that a lot of people remember, particularly in, 
over in uh, your county. Yeah, absolutely. No, and as I say, we we have um, had friends who have done some media stuff with Pat regarding this fixture, and he's very magnanimous, you know, very open about the situation, very honest and candid, and you know that's appreciated from our end. He's clearly a, a nice fella, but I, I just want to ask. I just want to ask you, do you, uh, you might not remember, but do, do you remember any sort of media aftermath for him specifically after the match from Sir Alex? Or was it a cohesive, you know, a everyone's to blame sort of thing? Wouldn't, yeah, yes, that's exactly right. Because, you know, very often that uh, if I was playing up front with Mark Hughes, him and I would, be, be, would get the first hairdryer because he thought that we'd give him the ball away. You know, when you weren't, when we shouldn't have, you know, we should take more care of the ball, we shouldn't have the shot. You know, and then often it would, it would, you know, as much people might have said, oh, that was an error by the goalkeeper or whatever else it is. He was always looking at, well, where did that start? And, and as I say, you would, you would, you knew yourself, you know, that it's a good chance I'm going to be on the, I'm going to be the, the, the first one to, to, to feel the force of uh, this, uh, you know, because <laughs> that, that you, you made an error, you know. Contrary to that as well is that you, he knew. And the, the, which players she could say and do things to Pat was quite a strong lad. He wouldn't have, let's say that he wouldn't have got, um, there's no way that he would have got uh, blamed or got hair for, for his performance. It would have been the senior players, you know, particularly probably me, you know, so. And then that's, that's acceptable, you know, so I'd rather get it than, than, than Pat McGivern get it. It's just, just, Try to do the very best he could, and it may well be a consequence of me giving the ball away or making the wrong decision, you know. And quite soon after the second goal, there's the third one goes in, which is a header from Tony Barris. So at that point, you know, it's three nil. You're down to ten men. Obviously, Manchester United. He's used to making comebacks at the time, but he's starting to think, oh, you know, what's going well, on? Well, you're always there. You're always thinking that that you're you're, you're, you're thinking, well, this is, you know, if we can get a goal back. You know, it's a goal. But you're all thinking that all the time. Get a goal back. You know, we can forget figure out this three one with or three two. You know, we're always thinking that because we've done it so many times that um, that we that this was only really half time. You know, because we've got to go and play the second leg. So yes, very much. Even that three now, we still thought there was we had a good chance of well, certainly a chance. You know, of overturning the the result. You know, and. um You've you've mentioned you've touched on on your your own fitness and, and performance, uh, Brian. But there is a moment towards the end of the ninety when you, you put through on goal by a York player. You you do round Dean Kelly and just pull it a little bit little bit wide. I just want to ask do you have any any further reflections on your own performance. I know you've mentioned the fitness, but in terms of that, what you did in the game, were you very, were you disappointed at the time or? No, I just knew that that when I was playing the game, not going into the game, I thought I'm I'm not fit enough here. You know, I've let's say I've made an error by declaring myself fit, you know. I think I ended up playing the whole game as well. So which but that's just a, that is something you learn. Uh I don't I don't think I was injured again again after that so I didn't need to the question was never asked again, you know. So <laughs> So full time, just wondering what the sort of feeling in the dressing room was after that. Was it just a case of look, we you know, we'll try and do them three or four nil in the second leg? Yeah. Yeah, that that would have been it. You'd have just taken the Whatever the the criticism which indeed was meted out by whoever from the within the dressing and out with the dressing when it comes to um, more like to me newspaper reports at the time and yeah having that great belief you know because we did you know it's Manchester United players and Manchester United teams with a belief that we'd win every single time we went out on the pitch 
You know, and the, and the beauty of that is it's not like it's the FA Cup final. It's the last game of the season, you know. You know, there's there's always another game that comes up rapidly, you know. Yeah, that's a very good that's a very good point. So obviously we've been so early in the season as well. It's in September, isn't it? So you've got plenty of time to put the whole the whole season right. And to be fair to United, they obviously do, and they're famously it's a double double season. Uh, the League and Cup double arrives in May. You know, uh, Alan Hansen's quote put to bed. So I'm just wondering, like amongst the celebrations, this might seem like a bit of a silly question, but I am genuinely curious to, to get that double double with such a young side is an amazing achievement. But was there any sort of things about? Well, it, it seems even more ridiculous that United would go out to York and also don't forget any way for cut to the Volgograd side. Is there any sort of reflection upon that, considering that had they got past those sort of lower sides, they could have gone, it could have increased it to a treble. Part of that kind of thing, maybe it was it worked out in the sense that we had fewer games, you know, so. We've gone out in the League Cup, so nothing we can do about that. So that's a one fixture less because, uh, again, going out of the of Europe early, also there's another fixture less. So that allows you then to just concentrate on the, the two competitions that are left. And one of the competitions that start till January, you know. So maybe in a way that it was it worked out, worked out good. If you said, well, what are you looking at? Of course, we'd love to, have, to win the, uh, in Europe. Um, the European games and European occasions are wonderful. However, at the end, if you somebody said that, you know, at the start of the season, when you say, particularly when you say you've gone through turmoil, first game of the season, you got hammered at Villa Park. Um, and, and Alan Hansen had said, you know, that you'll never win in the kids. You're, you're always thinking that that, that could be a, you just don't know. But the, and so if you said, like, from those, from that moment at the end of that game, Say that you're getting knocked out. This is how it's going to be. You're going to get knocked out. You're up penalties. You're going to get knocked out of the League Cup, New York City. But at the end of it, you're going to have an FA Cup and a, and a, another League Championship. You would have taken that, and then and you still would. Looking back now, and you say it's great for those those teams that, that won those competitions and went on to have other events in those competitions. No, you're absolutely right, and then you're totally right in saying how an amazing achievement a league and cup double is it's it's it makes it even sweeter for us as, as york city fans because you know we were the only team to beat united at old trafford in that whole season it's, yeah. it's quite, quite an incredible statistic yeah so i guess it's it's, be- it's better that we we did it and Volgograd got the away goal victory that way it stays you know sacred for us in our own history so i think everyone's <laughs> winner in that case aren't they yeah so. yeah <laughs> I just want to say very quickly before Simon asks uh, the last question. Um, I, I, as you know, Brian, I lived in Manchester for quite a while, and I weirdly bumped many, many years ago. I bumped into uh, Gary Pallister at a public appearance. I think it was in Yarndale, and I was where it was a winter, and I was wearing my York City scarf, and he recognised it straight away. And uh, there was a bit of an eye roll and a bit of a laugh and a quick chat about the game. Like, and you very kindly agreed to talk to us about the match as well. In terms of you know the, the shock value, did it, did it stay with many players like, after the fact? Did you recall? Yeah, of course it does because you every moment. See, when you're playing football, particularly playing football for Manchester United, and and the thing with Alex Ferguson, that that could have been the defining moment in your football career at Manchester United. You know, he could have decided that at the end of that, you that's you done, you know, and you're you're finished. And that's and I can understand it more now than I probably did at that particular moment. But yeah, you, you know that. You're only as good as your last game, you know, and you're, th- you're thinking, well, uh, certainly the same from my point of view, because I think I let people down because I I thought that I was fitter than I, than it was proven on the night, you know. 
But these things can sometimes be a, a part of the defense kind of thing. Well, well, we're not going to let that happen again, you know. Certainly for me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said, yeah, I'm, I'll play unless I knew I was uh, 100% or almost 100%. And uh, yeah, but, but games like that, of course, you do for that period of time until, until you know, you win something else. Or very often, Manchester United teams have started the season pretty slowly, you know. And uh, that was one of them at the end. Yeah, league and cup double. But as I, and as I said, I mean, like when you're saying, I mean, I got a row from Alex Ferguson 20 years after the league cup final against Sheffield Wednesday, we lost 1 0 because it, the, the, uh, it was my fault. The, the goal that Sheffield Wednesday scored was my fault, you know, and uh, this was Carrington, you know, so you, you, there's no, there's no, I mean, the next time I see him, we might throw that one in, you know, yeah, you should have said. <laughs> Because he's never forgotten all these things, you know. Yeah, that, that York game, yeah. I'm sure that was real responsibility. <laughs> you know, it's quite easy. That could be the case there a year later, you know. So, just last question from me in terms of some of the younger players who were playing for United that night. Obviously, a few of them went on to do all right for themselves in terms of Beckham, you know, Neville, Giggs, and so on. Do you think that's maybe sort of quite good almost to have that kind of experience? of a game that they might have thought wouldn't be too difficult turning out that way? Is that sort of a... I don't think... There was no, there was no way anybody would be going to any game and expecting an easy game because there's never an easy game when Manchester United are playing, whether playing at Old Trafford against a team from, from the National League or whether they're playing away from home against a team in the National League. It, it, you know, it's everybody's... Wants to play Manchester United even even now, you know. I know yeah, Manchester United have certainly been in contention for winning the league for a while, but it's still Manchester United, you know. And that, I don't think that will change. And as Manchester United players, you knew what those expectations were, particularly under Aaron Ferguson. So it's all part of that learning, you know, to understand what, what minute winning meant to him. You know, it was a, it was habit that he wanted to, to instill in his, his players. Right through his whole career, really, particularly at Aberdeen and Manchester United, uh, and the demands that he was, you know, to win, he wanted to win every game, and make sure you understood that. So those young players learned those things about how tough he was at, at losing the game at home to to York City. But yeah, it's definitely been a uh, a night that's lived long in the York City fans. Oh, it's it's a, yeah, <laughs> it's a shit score. Celebrate these things. Well, Brian, we, we've reached the end, end of our questions there. So, um, like, thank you so much for, for taking this time out uh, to, to have a quick chat with us about the, oh, about the game. As, as, as I say, it's, it is the anniversary today. So that's a nice little coincidence. So, uh, something I might be watching. I might be watching later on YouTube uh, <laughs> after after getting the recording done. But um, thank you again. Just thank you for taking the time to speak to us. It, it is massively appreciated. Thank you, gentlemen. And United are flying now, McLare. So there we go, Brian McClare. Pleasure to talk to him, and yeah, I thought he had a lot of interesting stuff to uh, to reveal about playing for United at the time. If you do want to find out more about what Brian's up to these days, I think um, he's got his own podcast, hasn't he, Ben? Yeah, he has. Um, he's got a fantastic title for it. It's called the Brian McClare Podcast. <laughs> uh, you can find it on on Twitter um, at Brian McClare Pod, and as you can tell, it's it's quite a, a laid back, quite a dry sense of humour affair. Uh, he's always good. He's a, he's a very good storyteller. 
it's always very very fun to sit back and listen to what he has to say um i think my my good friend chris who who set up the interview with 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 chucky did say um you know football stories are good but when you listen to a footballer tell football stories they're they're so much better so yeah please do give his podcast a, a listen yeah and hopefully you've enjoyed this uh, retro content both the interview and last week's deep dive into the game itself if you're looking for more content about the win at Old Trafford I definitely recommend um, some of the York Hospital Ball episodes that they've done uh, where they've interviewed Alan Little, Wayne Hall, lots of players who were involved with City at the time. Um, I listened back to quite a few of those as in preparation for these podcasts so yeah definitely worth checking those out so you can find them on twitter at york hospital or just search york hospital ball on all good podcast platforms but yeah thanks again for listening to same old city look out for more retro content going forward and we'll see you soon <laughs>